The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Scott Barber. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doctor's Lounge. You're listening to Dr. Scott Barber on America's Web Radio. We've got a really important show today. The more I think about what to talk about on this show, which, again, we always started uh, from the perspective of healthcare. And when I first started doing this show, my goal was to demonstrate the virtues of free market healthcare and help expose all of the horrors of a one-size-fits-all government-controlled socialized medicine uh, program. And I think we've done that pretty effectively. But as the world has changed and we've seen our country just collapse in terms of abdication of the rule of law and a media that spends a 24-7 news cycle gaslighting America, gaslighting the world into how we think about things. It's become more important to me to help people understand how do we interpret the world that we live in. And nothing brought this concept to my mind more than when the COVID pandemic hit, I obviously had a vested interest in understanding this pandemic. As a physician, I did what I was trained to do, which was to learn about the facts surrounding the trouble in front of us and try to develop an appropriate treatment plan. Now, normally, a patient comes in and explains to me their problems, and I usually take that information and I try to use my knowledge of medicine to identify and come to an appropriate diagnosis and develop an effective treatment plan and always from the perspective of our Hippocratic Oath, which is to do no harm. And, you know, sort of working in this world and interpreting information is getting to be more and more difficult. And so when the COVID pandemic came around, my goal was to understand what was happening, and it didn't take me long to figure out that there was this coronavirus out there, COVID-19. I understood coronavirus. Uh, we were about to be exposed to a pandemic. We knew something was going on in China. The early outbreaks were in Italy and in South uh, South Korea. And I remember getting all of the individual reports of the patients that were getting sick and going over each individual death myself. I used to go on to Worldometer. I would pull down the cases and I could see the ages of the patients and there was some information about them. It became obvious to me very quickly that the people that were susceptible to the COVID-19 virus were older folks with comorbid conditions. Uh, and we were starting to see very early, very clearly that young people seem to be virtually bulletproof to this uh, uh, virus. And the facts have proven that to be the case, that young school age children have virtually no risk from this virus. And I choose my words very carefully here. I know people are out there uh, trying to discredit us. I know that because we had the Atlanta Journal-Constitution try and sabotage this show 
at a time when people were starving for truthful information. And of course, we were providing that and they tried to take us out with a hit job in the American Journal Constitution, uh, which as a corollary of this show, we should now know that you shouldn't listen to what's written in that uh, periodical because we know they blatantly lie on things. And we've proven it over and over again on this show. But the point I'm trying to make is I started to understand the pandemic. Uh, I started looking into the death rates because I was paying attention to all of the deaths that were occurring. And the Royal College of London came out in March, I believe it was, of 2020, and said that the death rate was 3.4%, which was such an obvious lie. And I remember just bouncing off the walls like, what is going on here? Where is the CDC? Where's the FDA? I, I mean, of course, I wasn't doing that because even before the pandemic, I knew that those were corrupt and incapable organizations. But the point was, where is anybody coming out and saying that that was an irresponsible thing to do? And of course, we now know it was all part of the plan to implement lockdowns and affect political control over people. Now, the the point I'm trying to make here is as I started to understand the pandemic, I started to understand the nature of the disease. I started to study possible treatment options, and it became very obvious that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were effective treatments, uh, especially early treatments uh, in the prevention and early treatment of COVID-19 infection. And so as a doctor, I started trying to share that information. I know others were as well. And we were attacked and pilloried and labeled as known spreaders of misinformation when, in fact, we knew this stuff to be true. And it wasn't my data. It wasn't like I was inventing something. I was simply looking at peer-reviewed journal articles that were out there, some of which were even authored uh, by Fauci's uh, organizations, saying that hydroxychloroquine was safe and effective. And then you had these two studies come out, uh, one in the New England Journal of Medicine and one in the Lancet, saying that uh, hydroxychloroquine was not only ineffective at preventing COVID-19 infection, but that it was dangerous. And I thought to myself, how is this happening? The New England Journal of Medicine, the Lancet, two of the most prestigious medical journals on the face of the earth, were lying. I And I knew it had to be a lie. It wasn't a mistake because I understand what it takes to get scientific literature published in peer-reviewed journals, especially ones as prestigious as the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet. And I know there's no way that this concept that hydroxychloroquine was not only ineffective, but that it was dangerous, uh, could not have happened unless the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet were in on the scam. And two weeks after they published these papers, because doctors like me were calling BS on the conclusions and wanting to see the data, they got busted publishing a study that had made up fake data and they had to retract the stories. Now, that right there was an enormous story in the middle of an enormous pandemic, supposedly, that we were going through that two of the top medical journals on the face of the earth published fake phony studies discrediting a medication that we now know could have helped many people and where were the reports on that? No, they just ignored it. They moved on. The media wasn't there for you. None of your leaders were there for you. None of your political leaders, none of the heads of institutions, our medical boards, our medical, no, nobody, nobody was looking out for you. Now, people like me were, and what happened to us? We got canceled. And so we, we started going through the pandemic. I want to say we got to about June 
or July, and we were sitting in my my TV room watching TV, just kind of passing the time as we all were doing in 2020 because of the lockdowns. And my wife just started freaking out, you know, oh, my God, we're all going to die. And I'm looking at her in astonishment, like, what are you talking about? Because at this same time, I was internalizing all the information I had learned and understanding that myself and my family were pretty much safe from this virus because the virus simply wasn't that toxic to young, healthy people. I knew my school-age children were totally fine. I was no more worried about COVID than I would be a typical flu. I knew that there was treatment, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and other things, zinc, vitamin D. I knew that there were options out there, and I knew this because I studied and because I used my own mind, and I didn't allow people that were perceived experts or institutions that are supposed to be looking out for me manipulate me. And and it, it, I, I looked at my wife and I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, she's a very smart person. She's a lawyer. She didn't, she, you know, she got a perfect score on the bar, which is, you know, crazy smart. But yet she fell hook, line and sinker for this whole psyop propaganda scam about COVID and, and, and everything about it. And I thought to myself, we're, we've entered a new age where you really cannot study anything online unless you already have some knowledge about it because there's just so much propaganda and misinformation out there. And I've been showing it to you on the on this show a lot. And I'm going to show you some more today because I want to help connect dots and I want to start to help people understand uh, from the lens of medicine, from the perspective of medicine, how do you interpret the world that's around you? And one of the first things I would say is you need to understand right now that people that are designated experts or that have high office or positions of prestige or educational degrees from prestigious institutions, it means absolutely nothing. Nothing, I tell you. When I hear that somebody comes from Harvard now, I, I mean, I immediately am, am thinking to myself, okay, this person probably has a very kooky, left-wing, phony understanding of the world that we live in. And... They, they may be dangerous in the way they think. Now, there are some flaws to this <laughs> because uh, nothing in life is easy and understanding that the world we live in is complicated. I'm just going to give you a little example. Uh, my wife went to New York a little while ago and she bought a handbag, a designer handbag from a very prestigious company that you you guys would all know. And uh, she she does what I never do. She goes and she'll buy things and have it shipped to her and she'll try the clothes on and everything. She doesn't like it. She'll then send it back. I'm a man. I like still go to the store. I don't really order anything online. You know, I try it out in the store and if I buy it, I'll never return it. You know, even if, even if it's a car and I take it home and I decide I don't like it, I won't return it. That's just kind of how I am. So anyway, they mail us the bag uh, about seven days later, five, seven days later. She opens the bag. She looks at it. She says it's heavy and it doesn't have a lot of space on the inside. So she decides she doesn't like it. And so she basically puts the bag back in its little bag and wrapper and puts it and she, you know, she packages it back up. We looked at it for, you know, less than two minutes. So we then go to the store up at one of the malls here in Atlanta and we go to return it. And the guy, you know, we explain like what happened and we got it and 
we want to return this bag. And so he's like, okay, well, let me inspect it. So he opens the bag and he starts going over this thing with a microscope and he's like finding like, you know, this thread is not right. And there's a little nick in the leather here and everything. And I'm looking at this dude, like, are you kidding me? You literally sent us this bag. We opened it, we looked at it and we packaged it up. We're sending it back. And he wouldn't exchange it. I mean, it was just, it was utterly ridiculous. Uh, and so, you know, we left. And my wife was saying, you know, I'm never going to buy this type of bag again. And, you know, that's fine. But I thought to myself, let's go to the one at the other mall. Same store, other mall. So we go into the mall. We're walking in. And there's probably about five uh, workers at this prestigious um, bag store. They sell other stuff. You guys, Like I said, you guys would know the, the company if I said it. Um Anyway, we got these five people and there's one lady, she's wearing a mask. She's still wearing a mask. And I'm kind of whispering to my wife, not her. Don't go to that lady. Because I know that people who are wearing masks in this day and age have a flawed ability to interpret the information around them, right? I've always said this. If you didn't understand that wearing a mask to sit down at the table like we were doing during the pandemic, taking your mask off in the restaurant, eating your food, and then putting your mask on to leave, if you thought that that was effective, then I'm sorry, I, j I just don't know how to help you. Uh, you j your ability to understand the world that you live in, to interpret facts and data around you is just severely flawed. So anyway, I'm looking at this lady and I'm saying to myself, no, no, no. And so we're, I'm taking a hard right trying to veer away and go to any other uh, person at the store to help us. And she notices us and is like, oh, hey, can I help you? Can I help you? And I'm trying to ignore her. And she's very loud. And all of the other people were busy. And it was just impossible to avoid this woman. And so she got her hooks into us, pulled us over, and started dealing with us. And she was absolutely magnificent. She was the best salesperson ever. She was sweet and nice and helpful. Um, I actually have a belt from this same store. And it has a belt loop on it and the belt loop fell off. And so I don't like to wear the belt because the, when I put it on the part of it flaps around because I don't have this little leather uh, loop that kind of holds the belt on properly. And so I mentioned it to her and she went and got me a brand new one and just gave it to me. And so anyway, we had a tremendous experience and I remember walking out of the store thinking to myself, okay, my plan to avoid everybody who wears masks so that I'll have a better life is not a not a good plan, okay? So interpreting this world around us is very difficult. But the one thing I can tell you is that if you put faith in institutions and leaders uh, to protect you, to guide you to the best outcomes in life, you're you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be in trouble. And we've talked about it on this show that hospital systems try to implement these codes called best practices, which is really a way of telling people don't use your own brain to interpret things that we have a menu of options and we want you to use it. Uh, they will use this term misinformation. So I'm always guarded anytime I hear misinformation because if you try to silence somebody who disagrees with me and say that what they're spreading is misinformation and therefore I'm not going to let them speak, well, then I immediately want to hear what they have to say, because I've understood that in this world that we live in, whenever you hear somebody being labeled as a known spreader of misinformation or you have a fact checker deployed on what they're saying, that what they're saying probably has a good chance of being true, because people who are truly honest in this world and people who truly want to get to the truth 
will allow all voices to be heard and be able to interpret information uh, using their own mind and their own ability to discern facts. Uh, the other concept that they try to use is hate speech. I can't allow this person to speak because their speech is hate speech. Well, define hate speech for me. And of course, hate speech means pretty much whatever the uh, left doesn't want to hear is what you call hate speech, and they try to censor it. And what you end up getting censored in the end is the truth. Um, and it's become very important to me to help people to understand the. you have to interpret the facts in this world so that we can get to truth. And it's getting harder and harder to do it. But if you try to ignore the world that you live in and try and stay in your own lane, and I know that is something that many of us want to do, right? I just want to take care of my family. I want to take care of my friends and the world I, I work in. And the fact that the world around me is going insane, maybe I can just ignore it and things will just get better. But that's not happening because in my own lifetime, I, I tried to do that. I used to say to myself when I was young, I don't like politics. I, I hate it. I want nothing to do with it. I'm just going to go and do my own thing. And so I have stayed out of the politics of my medical boards. I've stayed out of the politics of my hospital systems. I've stayed out of the politics of my schools that I trained. And what I got were institutions that absolutely hate me are trying to cancel me. And, and people like me, not just me, but people like me. Uh, because all I want to know is the truth. I remember bringing it up at the hospital when the data was, well, the data was always unequivocal that the mask didn't work. But every time I tried to bring it up to the hospitals where I work, like, hey, can we get rid of these mask mandates that are just stupid? I mean, I was basically attacked and, and told the CDC says so. So therefore, we will not even talk about it. And I remember thinking like, yeah, but the CDC is wrong. So why can't we talk about it? But that's just the way it is. And so what I've seen in a world where a lot of good people just want to avoid this political fight, we, we now have a world where people want to get rid of police and we're letting people out of prison and we're letting crime run rampant and homelessness run rampant. Our southern border completely wide open while uh, drugs, fentanyl, are flooding across the southern border, killing hundreds of thousands of American citizens. And I'm asking myself, why is nobody doing anything to shut the border down? And this idea that, oh, it's racist, these people are just economic migrants, that is not true. There's all kinds of people coming across the border. And obviously, if you're not paying attention, you don't know who's coming in. And there's no doubt in my mind, terrorists are coming in, drug dealers are coming in. We know there's sexual uh, trafficking, human trafficking going on. There's nobody interested in shutting this down. And I ask you, why is this happening? It's insane. I'm living in a world where the emperor has no clothes and all of us are afraid to speak. We're, we've got pornography that's running rampant. Every time I go to a comedy show, the comic is talking about porn and how they do porn and porn with their kids and porn, porn, porn. And I'm like, this is not a good thing for the world. Pornography. My kids being exposed to porn, that is not a good thing. Sexualizing our children. Video after video after video of concerned parent going to school boards that have totally been taken over by the left with these pornographic books on the shelves in these schools and the parents are simply reading from the books and then the board members are like, we've got to shut you down and shut you up and remove you forcibly because what you're saying is inappropriate. 
And that's the point of why the parents are reading the books. Why are these books on the shelf? And then they'll try and throw it back in your face. Oh, it's about censorship. Censorship is not the same thing when you're talking about preventing your children from having access to information before a time when they're ready for it. And I'm not going to even get into it in, in this show because it's so stupid, but your school age children, your third grader is not ready to talk about sexual issues. And not only that is not the role of the school to be talking about those things with our children. And that's another thing that the left is trying to do is get total control of the school so that they can indoctrinate our children to hate America to embrace Marxism, to embrace these uh, mind-numbing, idiotic concepts of uh, transgendering where kids are having their genitals cut off because of these loose diagnoses of gender dysphoria. And, and anytime we ask to look at the data, we're just called haters and known spreaders of misinformation. Um, Christian, you know, the only thing that is absolutely banned from schools is any sort of concept of Christianity, which is the thing that the founding fathers, and yes, I still talk with great admiration about the founding fathers. Were they flawed people? Absolutely. And my father used to teach me when I was a young person that one of the greatness, great things about our founding fathers was that they were human beings subject to all of the flaws and failures that the rest of us are, and yet they still came up with the greatest society in human history for all people. And yes, we had trouble achieving the mountaintop. We, in fact, we haven't. And I would argue we're going in the wrong direction because the leftist rotting ideology of Marxism is taking over. And so the importance of talking about these things is understanding that medicine is a huge mechanism for the left to take down the United States of America, which is a huge impediment to the globalist elitists who want a one world government because it'll be easier to control people and easier for them uh, to maintain their power and wealth. And uh, medicine is a tool that they're using. We saw it in COVID, right? They want the, you know, the CDC and the World Health Organization are going around. The World Health Organization is trying to subvert autonomous uh, governments uh, using medical issues as a pretense for them to come in and sort of nullify your laws. And that's happening in this country as well. Now, I typically don't want to talk about politics. I'm not a political podcaster. I want to talk about health care. And in, at the end of the day, my goal in this world is I want to have free market health care. I want to restore the doctor-patient relationship. I want human beings to be able to go out and develop a true doctor-patient relationship with a caring doctor who is motivated to give the best possible care to his patients. And that is gone these days. And I'm going to show you uh, how I know that this is the case. Now, we just had Hamas... The terrorist group Hamas just perpetrated a horrific attack on young, innocent peoples going to a festival and murdering them, chopping off babies' heads, burning people alive. Uh, listen, I don't want to get into the argument about Jew, Palestine, Israel, Gaza, occupied territories and all this scam. I was starting to brush up on my knowledge of it uh, going through 
I don't use Google, but I was using other search engines. And of course, it's just 900 articles of the New York Times and Reuters and the Washington Post framing the issue of Jews bad, uh, Palestinians and Hamas and all these people are marginalized folks and they're good and that Israel's bad. And it's just ridiculous. The Israeli government, I'm now 58 years old. I've been dealing with this crap my entire life. They don't cut off heads and they don't burn people alive. Hamas, Hezbollah, these terror groups from Iran, they do it all the time. And apologists in this country, it's time to stop. It's time to stop. What they did at this festival was disgusting. It was gross and it was evil. And we need to have the courage to stick it out. Now, what are we going to do about it? I'm hearing a lot of people, let's wipe them off the face of the earth. You know, of course, sadly, there's a lot of rallies at our academic institutions supporting Hamas and the cutting off of baby heads and burning people alive. It's just so disgusting to me. I can't stand it. I'm just so enraged. And it's just one more data point in the country losing its ever-loving mind. You know, that I heard somebody talking about Ferguson. That was in 2014. That's almost 10 years ago where the world burned down over Michael Brown that we saw on video robbing a liquor store, bum-rushing the 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 uh, owner basically gave my Michael Brown was an enormous person. He just kind of stiff armed the owner, walked out uh, of the liquor store stealing uh, cigars or something. And then he was being arrested by a police officer. And I'm glad I don't remember his name, but even if I knew it right now, I wouldn't say it out loud. And Michael Brown attacked this police officer and again, Michael Brown was an enormously huge person and was attacking this police officer, got a hold of his gun, and and the police officer was able to save his own life. And unfortunately, Michael Brown was shot and killed in the incident. And the world tried to turn it upside down. Oh, you know, it's racism and all this kind of stuff. Eric Holder, Obama's attorney general, was brought in specifically to try and drop the hammer on this cop. And all of the witnesses who were black, I might add, uh, exonerated this cop and confirmed that Michael Brown was a criminal that bum rushed this cop, tried to kill him, and the the police officer was fortunately able to to save his own life. Now, th- I just bring that up because the ability of people to interpret the world they live in is completely flawed. Now, you just saw Hamas perpetrate this ruthless, horrific, disgusting, evil, evil. That's what I'm saying. Evil attack, killing innocent kids, men, women, and children, raping, murdering, shooting people in the back. These were not military combatants. These were not occupied, nothing. This was just pure terrorism, the very definition of terrorism. Now, I want you to watch what happens in the next uh, coming weeks, days, months, hopefully not years. But you'll see the media running cover for Hamas. And the very second that Israel tries to retaliate. Hamas, of course, will go out of their way to put women and children and vulnerable people in hospitals and and try to get them wounded and injured so that the media can go around the world, oh, look at all these collateral damages. Uh, look at all these poor, innocent people killed by Israel. Uh, you know, mercilessly, that, that's the, the narrative that's going to be portrayed. But notice how little they're covering these little babies with their heads chopped off. You know, they ignore that part of it. Now, I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm tired of these terrorists. 
I want these terrorists eliminated. I, I want a world where we can live in peace and harmony and a meritocracy, honor, where we can care for one another. I want it so desperately. I've always wanted it. I've been working my entire life to make the world a better place and to be part of the light. My dad taught me about that, to be part of the light, be strong enough to care for yourself and be strong enough to care for others. And early in my life, I had to develop myself. I had to educate myself, get myself a skill, help myself understand the world that I'm living in by reading and studying and keeping my mouth shut. You young people out there do listening when you're young. When I was at Berkeley, I used to see these kooks, these nuts, these psychopaths protesting everything. And I would say to myself, how are they so confident in their understanding of what's going on? Because they're 20 and I'm 20 and I know I don't know a thing. So I knew they didn't know a thing either. Shut your pie hole when you're young. Start to understand the world that you live in. Start to try and interpret the data points that are around you. Now, I've been talking about the fact that you do not give unquestioned loyalty or credibility to anybody based on their position, their academic accomplishment, uh, what they got on their SAT scores or their MCAT scores or whatever. You judge them by their actions and you know that everybody's fallible and that they are not necessarily right. And you need to think for yourself. Now, as we think about what's going on with Hamas, you got Lindsey Graham out there saying we got to start, you know, a war and wipe them all out and all this kind of stuff. He wants us to get into a war with Iran. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if that's such a good idea because we know how this goes, right? We don't have a specific objective. Five minutes after we start doing this, the left in this country will will try to demonize our military, demonize America and ruin public support so that we'll never follow through on anything. And just look at what happened in Afghanistan, 20 years there, what did we accomplish? 9-11 happened. And believe me, when 9-11 happened, I was as, I was as livid as anyone. I wanted, uh, and I'll, I'll admit it, I wanted revenge. I wanted justice. And we went into Afghanistan with our Moabs and we blew that place up. And over 20 years, what was the plan? What did we accomplish? And what we learned is that Afghanistan is not the United States and imposing Western values is not that easy. And that five minutes after we got into Afghanistan, the left in this country immediately started attacking the United States at every level, making us out to be the bad guys like they always do in every war, Vietnam and World War II even. That's what they always do is they try and make America out to be the bad guy. And um, 20 years, we pull out of Afghanistan horrendously, leaving billions of dollars of tools of war in Afghanistan. And that's a whole nother scam. The military industrial complex wants you to leave that stuff there so that we have to use taxpayer money to buy more of that crap. And of course, we left all that stuff for the terrorists. You have billion six billion dollars that get, were given to Iran for aid and they you you hear these kooks John Kirby the the uh, Pentagon spokesperson talking about oh no 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 we gave them 6 billion for humanitarian aid not for military i mean come on people your ability to interpret this world if somebody gives me if i have 20 dollars in my pocket and you give me 20 more dollars and you say hey listen 
Only the $20 I gave you, that's for food, food and drink, not for drugs. And I use my other 20 in my pocket to buy the food and drugs, and I use your technical $20 to buy my food and drink. You still gave me money for drugs. I mean, come on. Who out there can't figure this out? So then we have General Mark Milley, who's just a woke uh, yes man for the left, just a disgusting human being. And I feel that I have the ability to say that. My father was a military officer. I grew up in the military, fully respecting the job that they do. There's no person I admire more than my father, a combat veteran in, from Vietnam, um, buried in Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, um, Arlington National Cemetery with full military honors. I'm so proud of my father and what he did for this country. Mark Milley is a disgrace. And after 20 years of war in Afghanistan with no, no identifiable objective, nothing, uh, you know, no war aim, just there for 20 years supporting the military industrial complex in this country who loves never ending war. And I'm no, don't, you know, this, he's, he's either, you know, I have a question about one vaccine doesn't make me an anti-vaxxer. I don't want to be involved in every single war doesn't make me an isolationist. What I am is a person with a brain who wants to interpret every situation as the unique situation that it is. But all I want to point out to you is 20 years of war in Afghanistan. None of you can tell me what we got out of it. And I want you to hear General Mark Milley when he was asked, was Afghanistan worth it? Listen to this clown. To those who served in Afghanistan for two decades and lost family members and friends and wonder, was it worth it? That's always the question, right? So 2,461 killed in action by the enemy in Afghanistan over 20 years. Was it worth it? Look, I can't answer that for other people. I can't answer that. Okay, great. You're the guy who's the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and you're the one who's sending other people's children to go fight in that war and you don't know why and I would just ask people to soberly consider especially as it relates to the United States this recent attack on Hamas uh, that we don't get drawn into a bigger war with Iran there are consequences and I'm not saying we do or don't what I'm saying is people need to think about it and don't just blindly act on the rage that people have from this cowardly terrorist attack to just lash out and, you know, wipe them all out. It's complicated. And we need to have specific goals. And we need to have an understanding of a mission that is attainable and that makes sense. And part of that is having a conversation about it in Congress. And we've just gotten way away from the normal function of this government and it's, you know, spending bills with these omnibus bills and now $33 trillion in debt because the government that we elected has gotten more and more rogue, more and more off the rule of law. And, and, uh, you know, they're just acting, uh, outside of the law. And so we end up with these massive spending bills and we've gone to these never ending wars without really discussing it. Now, I'm always trying to explain to you that your leaders don't know anything. I know this from the whole history of my life. I have been on the inside of academics and hospital systems and places where you think people are smart and educated. And I can tell you that in many cases, these people don't know anything. And now you got 
AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, this this child who somehow got herself elected to our Congress, who's out there talking trash all the time. Uh, she's very opinionated about things, and she doesn't know anything about anything. And so she was talking about the Hamas terror attack on Israel this week. And I want you to hear what she has to say when asked about it. Is very different than people expressing their First Amendment right to protest. Well, yes, but I also think that what people are starting to see, at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine, is um, just an, an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And that, to me, is just where I tend to come from on this issue. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Mm. What did oh. you mean by that? Oh, um, I think it, what I meant is like the, the settlements that are increasing in, in some of these areas and, and places where, um, where Palestinians are experiencing, uh, difficulty in access to, uh, their housing and homes. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just, I, I am not the expert on geopolitics on this issue. You know, for me, I'm a firm believer in uh, in finding a, a two-state solution in this issue, and um, I'm happy to sit down with leaders on both of this issue, on both of these. For me, I just look at, at things through a human rights lens, and I may not use the right words. <laughs> okay, this is just this is just unbelievable to me. I mean, she she is just uh, this person is a congressperson, okay. I want you guys to keep in the back of your mind that she said it right there, that I am not an expert on geopolitics, but you listen to the words that come out of her mouth, that come, the words that comes out of her mouth over the next weeks and months and years regarding this issue. And I want you to just have that ring in the back of your head. Like she said, I'm not an expert here. Now, she doesn't even understand the concept of what's going on in Israel, not even a little bit. In 2005, Israel evacuated Gaza, and Gaza had had a life to it. It was uh, relatively uh, without crime. It was relatively prosperous, you know, not compared to the United States, but it was much more decent than it is now. And as soon as Israel pulled out, the people in the Gaza Strip had one election where they elected Hamas, a terror organization that has in its charter the elimination of Israel. And they turned it into the hellhole that it is today. They own it. I mean, this is not hard. Israel didn't have anything to do with that. They weren't even there. She doesn't know this, though. And this concept of a two-state solution, I don't understand what people why people have such a hard time. It's the same thing as when we talk about the Second Amendment that says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, okay? It's not hard. Uh, But the thing is, there are people that want to destroy the United States by chipping away at it and knocking it down that want to change your understanding of objective truth. They don't want a two-state solution. They want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth and people who are making our decisions about how we confront this threat are like AOC. She completely does not understand the situation at all. 
She has a very juvenile, concrete way of thinking, oh, I want a humanitarian lens. I want a two-state solution. Yeah, I do too. I remember thinking that too when I was 15, okay? But the world is a complicated place, and the entire world does not see everything through a Western rule of law, humanitarian, Judeo-Christian, you know, individual rights lens. They don't. And so if they don't see the world that way, a lot of times you're not going to be able to get them to agree to solutions that we would want. And so you need to keep that in the back of your mind. Now, I want to bring this back to medicine and how this works in medicine. And, you know, you see people on the left that, oh, healthcare is a right and everybody has a right to health care and all this kind of stuff. This is a load of crap, okay? When you get these big government-run organizations or like Kaiser, which is big in California, Kaiser's essentially a quasi-government um, organization. You have to understand healthcare is so complicated. I've been studying it my whole life, and I don't fully understand everything. But at the end of the day, government got control of the levers of the money of healthcare. And the reason they want full government control of healthcare is because then you control all the money. You simply just tax the money away from people. The, the people who understand healthcare know there is money to be made there. Like if you just left me to my own devices as a provider of healthcare, it could be very lucrative because people value healthcare. And if I could deliver proper good healthcare, I could make it, uh, I could be, um, uh, you know, make a good living doing that. And the government and people who control government understand that there's power and money in healthcare. And they say to themselves, well, we'll just take it. And so they've have spent my entire life and before my life trying to disempower doctors and always doing it under the guise of, oh, we want to, we want to deliver better care and healthcare is the right. But the reality is they're in the business of denying care. That is what socialized medicine does. They spend tons and tons and tons of money on infrastructure. They enter into crony arrangements with like, oh, I don't know, companies like Big Pharma, where they get enormous kickback. Do you know they had that whole COVID thing and they, the government was just like, oh, trillions of dollars towards COVID, $2 trillion towards COVID. I'm sorry, who's itemizing that money? Is anybody accounting for that money? Where did it go? Who got it? No. They just use this pandemic as an excuse. Oh, it's important. We need to, and the Congress goes and passes that money and, you know, Pfizer and Moderna and these companies make tons and tons of money and they try to get you to buy into this stuff believing that government is going to provide healthcare as a right. It doesn't. It denies healthcare. And I'm just going to tell you, had a young boy come to our clinic and he had back pain. Now, when I go through my training as an orthopedic surgeon in medical school, we were kind of trained that kids don't really have back issues in the way adults do. And that's somewhat true in the sense that Kids are much younger and they're way less likely to have issues with their back and their neck. But as you get older and your discs wear out and things like that, uh, you know, it tends to be very common. And people experiencing back pain and sciatica and issues with their neck and arms and things like that, it's quite common. But sometimes kids do have issues with their back. I know from personal experience, the first time I threw out my back, I was in the seventh grade. I was practicing indoor soccer with the soccer team and I just felt my back go into spasm and that was three days I was bedridden. And that would happen to me periodically, you know, and there was no doctor to help me. You go to the doctor, oh, you know, nothing happens to you. 
uh, kids don't get it, so just you're you know just ignore it. I did. You know, I went and I lived my life, and for the most part, I was fine. But I would always throw my back out, and I got to understand. Like I could feel it going into spasm, and when it did, I knew that was it. Three days, I'll be bedroom for three days. It kind of burned itself out, and then I'd kind of get back to my normal self. I remember I uh, coming from Hawaii. I was one of three kids selected to go try out for the Olympic team, uh, the Olympic soccer team, and I think it was in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, I just remember being so excited and so proud. And, and I, you know, my, I talked to my dad and I can remember thinking I had to, it would cost $500 to get the billeting and all that. And I remember thinking, gosh, I wonder if I'll be able to go. I don't know if my dad has $500. And so I went and I talked to my father and, you know, he was like, yeah, of course you're going. Like, that's amazing. You know, you, you got, you know, you, you're one of three people from Hawaii going to try out for the national team and the Olympic team. And so I got there and I threw my back out. I mean, right when I got there. And I just remember thinking of all the times for this to happen. Why now? And I gutted it out those three days. I mean, I just, I was terrible. I mean, my back, I couldn't do it, but I tried. And so anyway, I understand what this is like to be a young kid and wanting to go to a doctor and have solutions to this. So we got this 15-year-old kid and he comes to my office. And I can't remember how he got to me. He's a referral. And I, I talking to the parents and I go in and I start to examine this kid. And I mean, he has the worst straight leg race test I've ever seen. Not only in a kid, but just period. He could not, I, if you lay somebody flat on the back and you try and lift their leg up, we call that a straight leg race test. And when people throw their backs out, a lot of times you can't lift their back up. So, you know, if you go to their good side, you know, their leg, their hip might flex 90 degrees or more up. And then you go to the bad side, you might only get, 60 degrees because they're spasming down there that's preventing them from lifting the leg. This kid, I couldn't get him one degree. I mean, and he was in exquisite pain. So I got x-rays and I didn't see anything in the x-rays, which is quite common. And so I asked the family, like, what's what? how long has this been going on? And they were like, oh, like a year and a half. And I was like, a year and a half? And I'm like, are you even seeing a doctor? Oh, yeah, we go to the doctor. Now, you got to understand with kids, these kids' hospitals are much more penetrated by government control, you know, in an Atlanta area, it's CHOA. And, you know, and so the government influence is much more significant. And whenever you have insurance companies or governments and this kind of socialized medicine, they get in the habit of denying care. For them, it's numbers. So they just look at what is, you know, the least they can do that's that's the most effective. Now, you might say to yourself, well, that's good. Then we save money. No, they end up blowing that money on the administrative state. They deny care such a ridiculous amount that people like literally are getting horrific care, if any at all. And then they end up blowing this money on politics. And there's this big scam where the politicians empower Medicare and Medicaid and the mechanisms of of uh, government controlled medicine to get more and more tax dollars. And of course, those people then donate that money back to the politicians. And if a politician ever says, no, we're not going to approve more Medicare or Medicaid spending or whatever, then they get voted out of office. So it's a big revolving door. It's the same thing as the teachers union with schools, right? We showed where in 40% of schools in Baltimore, I still have the article. They had a 0% um, efficiency rate and uh, grade efficiency rate in 40% of schools Four out of 10 schools, 0% of their students tested in math at the appropriate grade. You couldn't teach kids that poorly if you were trying to prevent them from learning. 
Okay. And yet anytime we try to bring up anything about school choice, like, ah, it's just the, the worst thing ever because schools are completely controlled by the teachers union. It's politics. Now, anyway, this kid, he needs surgery and the, the, his, he, he essentially has Medicaid and they're unwilling to do it. And so this kid is getting bounced around for a year and a half. And I know there are some doctors that he's seen out there that understand the situation, but they're trapped. You know, it's like, oh, it's Medicaid and they're not going to pay. So I'm not going to do it. So what did we do? Yeah, we're just doing it. The parent, the mom and dad, they called me crying. I just, I have no words and everything. And it's like, I, I know I'm not getting paid. I'm actually paying for this kid to have his surgery done. But this is why I'm a doctor. I'm here to be a healer. This is my job to help this kid. I, this kid's going to be playing football next year. A year and a half, our system has left this kid laying in, unable to play, unable to walk and do anything. And it's just disgusting to me. And so when I see these situations and I hear people, oh, we need, you know, healthcare is a right. It's, I want to smack people. It's ridiculous. Socialized medicine denies the care. And not only that, but as the government controls the healthcare, the the skill sets are lost. And I've shared on this show, I have a bad back, and you know I've been dealing it with my whole life. I just shared with you a story when I was young. The first time, one of the time, early times I threw out my back was when I was trying out for the national team. Now, to be fair, I probably wouldn't have made the national team even if my back was good. But you know, we'll never know. Um, but uh, you know. <clears throat> The 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 back issues uh, can be significant, and so as I've gotten older, I I know because I'm an orthopedic surgeon, I know what's wrong with my back, and I know my treatment options are basically therapy, bracing, medication, uh, sometimes injections, and spinal fusion. And I know for a fact, if I were just a regular patient, I would go to a doctor and tell them what my symptoms were, which I'm actually experiencing quite a bit right this minute. And they would offer me a lumbar fusion. Now, a lumbar fusion has problems when you do it for arthritis because when you fuse one level, you put stress on the levels above and below and it causes them to wear out. And sometimes you can get into trouble where you never really get relief and you just keep chasing down this fusion. And that's not to say fusion doesn't work for some people and fusion isn't appropriate in certain circumstances. I'm, I, I know that it is. I'm just saying that it's, not for everybody. And I know enough about spinal fusions to know I don't want one. I'm, I'm scared of it. And so I went and treated my back at my own place with multiple injections, PRP, all different kinds of things, working it up with CT scans, MRI, figuring out what the problem, and I got myself treated. And I play golf and I do MMA and I'm very functional. Okay. Uh, that skill set is lost, right? Because doctors at other places that work primarily through insurances, which are really quasi-government organized, that's the crony capitalist arrangement. The few insurance companies that we do have, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, Humana, you know, you know the, the couple that we have, they have agreements with governments, both state and federal, to keep competition out of the marketplace, you know, uh, you know, there are other insurance companies out there that don't offer health insurance, and you got to ask yourself, why? Why not? They have an actuary. They have a client base. Why don't they offer it? There's money to be made there, and it's because there's a cabal of of uh, entities that are trying to limit your access to health care because they can control the money and the power and the politics. So you have to understand how this works. 
And what I'm trying to do for you guys is connect all the dots. You've got this world out there that's trying to tell you that, that there are experts out there and there are best practices and that, you know, if, if you're not an expert, you can't make your own decisions. And this is simply wrong. I'm telling you, not only do you have to, should you make your own decisions, you have to make your own decisions. You got Katanji Brown Jackson, okay? Uh, uh, confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States. Very powerful position. These nine people make a lot of judgments that affect every single one of our lives. And you have to ask yourself, is she, is she a, Affirmative action pick because Biden came out and said, I'm picking somebody who's a black female. And so immediately a black female appears and it's like, okay, well, why is she the person? Is she really qualified for this? And then she's asked, what is a woman? And she says, well, I'm not a biologist. I can't say what a woman is. Now that is so disturbing to me on many levels. Now everybody out there knows she knows what a woman is, right? But she's just unwilling to say what a woman is because they're using ridiculous politics to manipulate people. And I need people to interpret the world they're living in. Now, they are using these experts and these people in positions of power to lie to you all the time. And I want to show it to you. Here's Obama and Fauci talking about the vaccines uh, back in the day. We already have millions of kids They're wearing the country who have gotten vaccinated, which means that if you're still thinking about it, you know, get informed, talk to somebody you trust, your family doctor, your pediatrician, a school nurse, get more information about it. They'll tell you it's safe. It's effective. This is uh, this vaccine is tailored for uh, kids and uh, then come on down and Find a spot to get vaccinated. You can get it for free just by going to vaccine.gov. It'll tell you exactly where uh, you can go to get vaccinated. And, um, you know, make sure to do it, as you said, for your kids, your entire family, as well as for the community at large. Okay, so these two clowns, Obama and Fauci, are wearing masks while they're giving us that Thanks, public sir. service announcement that we now know is a complete lie. And when we're talking about interpreting the world around us, like, why would you listen to either of those two ever again? Right. They're knowingly lied to you here. I want you to listen to Fauci later being interviewed. Listen to him talk now. It's absolutely the case. And that's the reason why we say when you get vaccinated, you not only protect your own health, that of the family, but also you contribute to the community health by preventing the spread of the virus throughout the community. In other words, you become a dead end to the virus. And when there are a lot of dead ends around, the virus is not going to go anywhere. And that's when you get a point that you have a markedly diminished rate of infection in the community. And that's exactly the reason, and you said it very well, of why we encourage people and want people to get vaccinated. So he's lying to you, right? He's lying to you. That's him on Face the Nation. He's talking about how the vaccine totally works. Now I want you to listen to him. We don't know what the long-term effects are going to be on anyone, including children. So it may be that, much to our dismay, that children who get infected have long-term consequences that we don't fully appreciate right now. So for those reasons, one of transmissibility 
and one of seriousness of disease and one of uncertainty about long-range consequences, I, I come down strongly on ultimately vaccinating our children. Okay, so here this idiot is talking about us not understanding fully what happens with infection from COVID, and therefore we're going to give a vaccine that we now know is harmful and useless to kids, right? Because the data from the CDC shows that the risk of serious harm from COVID-19 infection, even the early strains that were more virulent, is is virtually nothing. It's five times less than the flu, okay? So I, again, ask you the question, why would you listen to any of these people again when you're talking about interpreting the world around you? Now, here's the new CDC director. Um, I want you to hear... Uh, what she uh, is talking about on how to implement policy. I want you to hear this. The person I called most was the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Hang on a sec. Let me... I would call, right. Probably the person I called most was the Secretary of Health and Human Services in Massachusetts. She worked for a Republican governor just to, um, but you know, when she was like, are you, are you going to let them have professional, um, uh, football? And I was like, nope. And she's like, okay, neither are we, neither are we. Uh, so, um, so, uh, you know, it was like conversations like that. So, or, or I'd be like, so when are you going to think about lightening up a mess? They're like, they're like next Monday. I'm like, okay, next Monday. Okay. This idiot who's the CDC director. And let me just tell you. When you're in medical school and everybody's competing uh, to get the, the life that they want, the people, you know, I'm just going to brag a little bit. Orthopedic surgeons is number one. We call them the holy grails. Uh, neurosurgery, orthopedic surgery, I think ENT was a holy grail when I was going through. And the only people who typically get into those disciplines are the people who graduate at the top of their class, okay? The people who master the information and do well on the floors the best, Okay, the people who go into the governments of healthcare are not those people typically. Okay, so you got this woman who is now the CDC director and she's laughing about how willy nilly they implemented policy and based on what based on nothing laughing about it. Do you understand they shut down businesses? There were kids out there that missed their first kisses. You know what I mean? There were Rutgers University got into basketball tournament, the NCAA tournament for the first time forever canceled because of idiots like this willy nilly making decisions based on nothing but political power and money. So you guys need to understand I'm not going to get off this. I'm going to continue this on the next show. I have so many more cuts. I want to show you how these people in charge are not only unwilling to look out for you, they're purposely misleading you to maintain their own political power and their own monetary wealth. And they want to reconform society in their image of uh, this leftist, socialist, Marxist dystopia. And we're going to stop it. So I hope that was illuminating to you guys to help you better understand the world you live in. If you remember nothing else, remember, just because of somebody's education, position, uh, pedigree or whatever – you, they don't get unquestioned allegiance and you don't listen to what they say without having your own critical thought. Thanks for joining us with the show. We'll see you next time on the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber. You're listening to us on America's Web Radio. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next time. 
The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.